0: Episode 193 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicago's hometown track. And now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. We're going to be talking about the fantastic early Pick 5 carryover at Hawthorne Racecourse this Friday. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Hit that notification bell so you know when new content will arise here on the YouTube channel. And also smash that like button. We'd really appreciate it, which will tell YouTube viewers... This is a podcast you should watch. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. My name tag there, at Kravitz, And at the bottom of the screen, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Very quickly, we've got two shows coming up this week. Depending on when you listen to the show, uh, these shows might already be out on the channel. But we uh, we already had a show on Tuesday with Matt Bernier about handicapping. Uh, check that out. It was episode 192. Episode 194, which will be live Uh tonight Wednesday night as we're filming here on Wednesday with Nick Tamro talking about how morning lines are created of course he is the morning line maker at Keeneland and also he'll be making the morning lines for the Breeders Cup so check out that episode and of course our flagship show Thursday night live 8 p.m. Eastern with the wonderful Jessica Paquette excellent handicapper uh jack of all trades in the uh horse racing world she's awesome check us out Thursday night live. But we are here uh on this show to talk about the late pick 5, of course. Or excuse me, the early pick 5 at Hawthorne. There's a big carryover and who better to talk about this carryover than from Hawthorne Race Course one and only Jim Miller. Jim, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm looking at your show lineup, Howard. All right. First off, I got to meet Jessica in person a week ago. She was in Chicago. She was there for the marathon no better place to stop out than the Hawthorne race course. So she came out and she spent a few races with me. So it was awesome to meet her in person. I love that. I'm going to tune into your show with Nick because I make the morning line at Hawthorne and I have certain methods that I go about and I'm always trying to learn a little bit more to get a little bit better. So that's going to be a cool show. And then can I comment? I love your intro. It's, it's near and dear to me in a weird way because I work at Hawthorne, but all those shots from Arlington, I started my career at Arlington in 1993, spent four years working there, one of the most gorgeous racetracks in the world. So I love the fact that you're giving them a little bit of love as well. But uh, I'll tell you, this is a great week of shows for you, man. I'm happy to be a part of it.
0: Well, it's also a great week of shows because you're with us, of course. So we appreciate you coming on for our weekly visit. Of course, we are uh, sponsored now uh, by Hawthorne Racecourse. We really appreciate uh, everyone over there for sponsoring us. Real quick about the intro. I never really talked about it when yeah. I started the podcast in early january of 2021 i didn't have an intro and i see all i I was very raw jim i'm a tech (laughs) idiot i knew nothing about anything on the tech side i just knew i could talk about horses and i figured i'd do have an intro so we went to arlington uh that summer with a few buddies i just i just told a buddy here just grab a phone and you know, just you know, film me doing different stuff. You know, putting a ticket, you know, putting a, a voucher in the machine. blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's a little bit corny, but it's sort of fun and I it's great. like. And it's got a live race going on in the background. You know, so you can't go wrong there. Uh, Jim, speaking of live races, we got a fantastic pick five. We got to talk about. We do, but before we're going to do that, I just want to mention very quickly the outstanding jockey colony out of Hawthorne. It's very underrated, and what might what made me think about this topic, Jim. Uh, was, as we're filming this Wednesday afternoon, I just watched a Chicago, former Chicago-based jockey, James Bobblehead Graham, uh, upset the field in the last race at Keeneland on Wednesday at, I believe, 24 to 1. E.T. Baird, you know, everyone knows E.T., longtime fantastic Chicago-based jockey, won two races on opening day at Keeneland. So the Chicago uh, jockeys always show out. Jim, can you talk? very briefly about some of the top jockeys at Hawthorne and uh, their future, because I know you have some younger jockeys that are up and coming.
1: Yeah, it's very funny you mentioned James Graham, because way, way back in the day, one of my many things I've done around the racetrack is I've served as a jock agent. So I had a jock agent and I had a bug rider at the same time as James Graham being a bug rider. So when we were trying to compete for similar mounts, it was very tough because he was such a good rider and such a great guy in that. So that was very cool to see. You mentioned E.T., E. is one of those veteran jocks that has won so many races, but is still kind of underrated a little bit. He, you, he was an, an exceptional apprentice rider. He had a good start to his career. Kind of stayed around the Chicago area, and everybody knew him in Chicago because he was kind of known as that guy that was a speed guy, really good on the turf. And then E.T. would get that tendency of he'd pop in, and he'd pop out for a while, and he'd take a meet off, and he'd come back. He took a, almost a year off and then popped back up and was winning races right now is about as good as I've seen him in probably the last 10 years. And he's really just, he, he's been very focused. He's putting a lot of work in um, just just to talk about ET and get to talk to him throughout the course of the day and, and see the thought process that goes into his races. There's three guys that I really see a lot of it from. I see it from ET Baird, Jareth lubbery and Chris Amy. And these are three veteran riders who can win basically on any circuit and have ridden all across the country. But they know what the other riders do in the races. They know what they're to expect out of their horses. A lot of these guys probably had choices in races on who they wanted to ride. So they know what they're riding against, too. But you've saw, you seen Loveberry. He was out there at Colonial. He did very well there. Uh, Horseshoe Indianapolis. Amy was winning, winning races down in Kentucky during the summer. They were actually out at Santa Anita, him and Brittany Vandenberg, early on in the year. And like you mentioned, DT winning at Keeneland. He was winning races at Turfway. They're all at Hawthorne. Full-time, but these are guys that can hold their own basically anywhere nationally. But time and again, because they're not those name jocks, Howard, you tend to get prices on it. And you see E.T., I mean, he was winning and, and winning at huge prices on a couple of horses there at opening day at Keeneland. Uh, Mark of the Z, I think, was one of them, like eight, eight or nine to one. That's a horse that Hawthorne probably goes off at seven to two, three to one.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to – I shouldn't get a short shrift to another one of my favorite jockeys to bet on nationally who I think is underrated – who has raced a lot at Chicago and that's Mitchell mural does yeah. it very well, especially on the turf gym. I've seen him win many times at, at Keeneland it, it does a great job at fairgrounds, of course. Anyway, the Chicago jockeys are very good. There's excellent jockeys at Hawthorne. And I think some of those guys are gonna, the younger guys, especially are going to continue to improve and make a name for themselves yeah. uh, perhaps on bigger circuits uh, at some point. Let's talk about the pick five. Now yeah. there's the reason why there's a pick five carryover Friday. First of all, Correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. I believe it's about 4,500 yep. in the kitty. My first question is to what do you expect the pick five pool to be on Friday? And talk a little bit about why there was a pick five carryover in the first place.
1: Well, typically our, our pick fives early on in the day on a Sunday. And when you're talking an NFL Sunday, especially, there's not quite as much action early on in the day. Come Friday, there'll definitely be more action. So I'm expecting you're probably going to be 30 to 40,000 in that pool. On top of this 4,700, that's just that added money. And when it's only a 15% takeout, that definitely helps as well, too. But going back to Sunday, and something that we actually talked about last Thursday, Howard, on the show, was when it gets cold at Hawthorne, the rail is always very good and speed is always very good. Well, the one thing that happened all weekend long last week was the rail was really good and speed tended to hold up very well. But we had a seven-horse field where a horse slid through along the inside on the rail and won and paid $74. We had another horse that went out there, made the front end, and nobody was able to go after it, and again, paid a huge price. We, we were one horse away from having an early pick-four carryover because there was only one horse alive in race number five. But you still get that pick-five carryover. This is a good sequence for Friday here. Weather's going to be good, too. We'll be on the turf. It's actually supposed to warm up a little bit in the Chicagoland area. But that's going to mess with players a little bit as well because cold temps, again, are inside speed. Warmer temps, that track evens out a little bit. It's because you can put a little bit more water on the racetrack. It'll play a little bit more evenly, and it does make the sequence very, very tough.
0: Another thing I want to point out to handicappers, I found this at at Hawthorne at Arlington. I found this at Tracks Gym where there's not a lot of trees blocking the track. And I think you know where I'm going to get with Pay attention to the wind. I've found yeah. the wind absolutely can make a difference. It, it can be very windy out there. If there's a, I know it's been pretty windy this week. I'm not sure about Friday. But right. if there's a big uh, headwind in the stretch, so if the horses are going into the wind in the stretch, and this should make logical sense from a scientific standpoint, it's hard to close. So if, if they're going into the wind in the stretch, you want to be on the lead. I find this in yes. harness racing too, by the way. I, you, you do find that at Hawthorne as well, right?
1: I've I've tried to explain this to people time and again and again, Howard, and, and they don't get it or they, or they don't want to believe it. Hawthorne, when you're running in the stretch, the winds are coming out of the west. So it is a direct headwind right on you in the stretch. Hawthorne is a full quarter of a mile stretch. So take into regard, okay, a sprint race, for example, those leaders are going down the backside with the wind at their back. They're able to just cruise along, get on the lead, and go all the way through the turn. Then the second that headwind hits you at the top of the stretch, Well, okay. if you're trying to come from off the pace, you have to get out from behind cover to make that move, which means you're not only tipping out, you're taking all that wind in your face the same way the leader is, but you're trying to make up all that ground to do it. So that's the reason why the winds are so important. And we do mention it. Peter Galassi mentions it every day. I try to talk about it time and again. And the two best handicapping angles at Hawthorne are knowing what the wind is, And because we have that Fontana rail, which is a very thick rail on the main track, it casts a shadow on the inside path at this time of year. So when it gets cold, the inside doesn't thaw as quickly as the rest of the track, and the rail gets very good, too. And that's things you have to watch out for. But I'm glad you brought that up. Some people aren't believers in wind, Howard. I'm a big, big believer in the wind, and it definitely played a factor last week.
0: Oh, I, you don't have to convince me. If you're betting Hawthorne in Arlington, uh, there's no doubt it makes a difference for sure. Yeah. All right, Jim, let's get into this pick five. Uh, it's a fascinating pick five. It's a nice combination of some some lower-level races and some yeah. allowance races. You got turf, you got dirt. They're going long, short. Great job by the racing secretaries there at Hawthorne to give us a nice a variety. Let me go ahead and take this uh, rolling of uh, the scroll banner off the screen here. And you're going to see our picks at the bottom of the screen. Jim, this is the first time we've actually a handicap sort of full sequence together that yeah. should be a lot of fun you're gonna see our picks on the bottom of the screen there and you know what i have it as a ticker but you know what? i'm gonna take the ticker off because I'm gonna do quick uh, we don't really need to scroll since it's only uh two of us here uh usually i have more people we'll just we'll just leave it like that so you can see on the bottom of the screen our picks i'm gonna go ahead of course bring up the uh entries and then we'll get right to uh the uh the pps here and of course we use drf Formulator, here we go. Right here. We'll go full screen there. I'll move this down. So the first uh race on Friday again. This is Friday afternoon, two fifty-three Chicago time, about three fifty-three uh on the east coast. Uh it's a claiming sixty-two five, Phillies and Mares, three olds and up. They're going uh six furlongs. Uh sorry, excuse me, they're going a mile and a seventy, excuse me, mile and seventy, which is a short run into the first turn. If you're not familiar with Hawthorne, these are not winners of three. You see the field right there. It's a pretty wide open field. The morning line favorite here is being be number two, Aiken to be taken, an Indiana bred uh, for Childers and a jock I'm not too familiar with. Is it? Is it Bendezu? I believe Bendezu.
1: Yeah, Alex okay. Bendezu.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the favorite. And uh, Jim and I are saying no, no, no. We're not going with, We're not going to chalk out this first leg. Jim is going to go with the four on top, bezel set as your top choice. This is for Oscar Sanchez and Victor it, The
1: This is the race that you dread as a public handicapper, Howard, because you have to make a selection on the race, and you and you have to sound like you love the horse, and this is a race where it's hard to love anyone. The one thing about Bezelset that I may say, and the couple things that I like about Bezelset, first off, consistent rider. Victor Balon has been the guy that's been aboard this horse time and again and again, and the horse has run pretty well for it. The other thing that you look at, because we're going the mile and 70 yards, so look at that start three back on August 20th, look at the start five back on July the 22nd. Those were both mile races at FanDuel, and what you see out of bezel set in each of those races is the ability to run on late a little bit sat a little bit closer in that race on August the 20th. But this is a horse that when you're going the mile in 70 yards and you have a, a field of horses that aren't overly consistent, you want somebody that you know can handle the distance. So that was the reason that why I did go to bezel set in this spot. The horse has run at Hawthorne and actually just missed at this level or at a better level, excuse me, last November going this distance. So because of that, I think bezel set rates close. We know can handle the distance. And that was the reason I put this one on top.
0: Yeah, the source is two for 22, but I know that's usually a, an angle I'm against, Jim, but there are a lot of two furs in this race. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not going to – that wouldn't be a strike against for me as this race as much as it would normally be. Um, I have the four, by the way, as a B as in boy, and I'm an ABC player. I don't have the four, as you see on the screen, but I do – I am using the four as well. Now, Oscar right. Sanchez, the trainer, Jim, has got two in this race. They're both off the claim. He's got the four – who's off the claim. And he also has my top choice, the number five, being creative, who also uh, comes off off the claim. For uh, Sophie uh, Berendella, who I saw a ride at Canterbury, and the reason I know why is because I used to cover Canterbury Park and I know a lot of people up there, and, and she had some nice wins up there. She's an improving uh, younger jockey, and she gets it very light. I'm not a big weight guy, Jim, right. but 110 pounds versus – you know what the four and 121. I mean, the five is getting what 10 more pounds in a race like this, where not much separates them going yeah. two turns. I think that absolutely could be a factor. You've got this horse second,
1: yeah. This horse definitely can be a factor, and you're right. You mentioned Sophia Barandala, she's one that works very hard. The thing that I like too, she's going to give you an effort, she's going to try to put this horse into a good position. I love the fact that she rides through the wire, and yes. You want everybody to ride through the wire all the time, but every once in a while, you don't always get that. Sophia is one that's going to work hard. She's trying to make a name for herself, and she's getting more mounts because of it. Um, Like you mentioned, too, with being creative, I'm curious to see what the running style is because you figure with Oscar Sanchez having both of these in there, one of them probably goes, one comes from out of it. You're not going to want these two challenging each other. So I do think Bezel sets the one that rates a little bit closer. Being creative can run on late. I'm not going to take anything away from either of these, because when you'll see my ticket, you understand. But being creative, definitely with a shot.
0: Yeah, by the way, Sanchez uh, got some stats here. Last five years, first off the claim, small sample size, 27% on the win end, 64% in the money. So this guy does very well off the claim. You got to use the four and the five. Real quick, Jim, what is it that you're – I have a reason why I'm against the two a little bit. I'd be curious to know why you're – a little bit against the two. Who is the more line favorite? You know,
1: you, you know what? Just kind of looking at this horse, the thing that I don't like is, okay, this horse was racing down at FanDuel where Bendalong was the trainer. The horse shifts over to Vance Childers, but Bendalong has been running horses at Hawthorne as well. So what was the reason for the shift over here? It looks like it was a private purchase by Childers since he's taken over the ownership as well. But just kind of looking through each of these races, it's like, okay, you had decent starts in Indiana last year. Then the horse raced on June 1st, then was off all the way until April of last year, or of this year, excuse me, then comes back in only one mile start and the horse got beaten 20 lengths in that mile start. I tend to wonder if there's going to be some distance limitations. I tend to wonder if there was possibly a little bit of injury or something that was the reason that this horse had some time off. Can the horse win? Sure, anybody in this field can win, but there is some just some red flags that popped up for a horse that I think is going to be a little bit short price wise in here, which was the reason I stayed away.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I'm worried about the breeding as well. When you look at the uh, breeding, there you you see uh, yeah. the, only two for sixteen on the route end, and the, the siblings, you know, aching to be the, the the dam was was a sprinter. So I'm I agree with you. I I know that she uh, this horse. She's gone long before and done okay, but they've kept her short. So right. I, I agree with you completely. I want to very quickly talk about the three who actually has much better breeding. uh How about Giant Oak, the Illinois yeah, one, uh, sire by Giant Oak, and on the damn side, Pathologist, who is absolutely a two-turn horse. Now people might say, Howard, you're overlooking this. It's a cheaper race. Why look at the pedigree? Well, because it can matter. It can absolutely matter, yeah. especially Jim, when you've horses that have not been going long recently like this three so i i'm more apt to think the three is more likely to get the distance than the two uh we'll talk about our pick five ticket but i think the three is not possible and i know you agree based on the ticket we're in show at yeah. the end you want to comment real quick just
1: real quick the, the other thing too when you have to look at conditions of a race okay you mentioned a lot of these horses have won twice the three horses won 10 times and it's just because of the conditions of the race because yeah claiming races of four thousand or less are not and it's part of the allowances. So this was a horse that was winning a lot of races, cheaper than $4,000 or $4,000 races. So the horse knows how to win. Yeah. Um, the reason I didn't put it on top, the rider's 0 for 27 on the meet. That, that that makes it hard for me until he shows that he can win consistently, especially a new rider on the circuit, because Hawthorne's a tough track to ride. Tight turns, long stretch. You're under Hissle whipping regulations too, and that you have to take that into account. And, and the reason I say that is with the long stretch, There's times guys used to try to kind of carry their horse through the lane in that last 16th. They're, I mean, they're all out just to try to get to the wire. And now it's, you have to make that determination when you move, when you use a stick, counting in your head. It's part of why these veteran jocks are doing a lot better than some of these younger guys. Yeah. It's a point, especially at a track that does have a very long stretch like Hawthorne and a new rider, it's a little bit tougher on.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a, a jockey whipping rule uh, story some other time because I was not on the good end of, of a situation with that. Let's go to the uh, race two. I'm going to – we're just going to go – actually, no, I want to show the entries. I was going to try to shorten our time. but That's okay. We can go a little long, Jim. We don't, we don't mind talking about the sequence a little longer here. Race two, about 315, 317. Main 62.5, uh, Phillies and mares. Um, Claiming Price, uh, six, again, 62.5. They're going six furlongs. Uh, the borderline favorite here is the number 10, Lucy's Looking Left, a Minnesota Bread. Let me go ahead and switch our – I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do – oh, we got all the tickers here. Okay, I guess we'll just use a ticker. I don't want to <laughs> keep switching around. Um, Minnesota Bread for uh, Robertson and Jared Lovebury we just talked about. Uh, and you – look at our choice on the bottom. We've got some similar picks here. You're going to go Price Shopping again with the number two, Wedding Bourbon for yeah. uh, Tavares in the saddle.
1: Well, we just mentioned Bend Along with Vance Childers in the first race because Vance Childers took over a horse from Bendalong. Well, Bendalong's training the two, Wedding Bourbon in this spot. With maidens, and especially cheap maidens, the best way to break your maiden is to avoid traffic and try to go out there and show speed and win. So I think we're both thinking similarly with our top picks here. Wedding Bourbon should be forwardly placed. A good effort in that last out. To me, a maiden allowance race at FanDuel can translate easily into a horse being competitive for maiden 62.50 at Hawthorne. My personal feeling is Tavares is a stronger stronger rider than Bendezio or Uriel Lopez, and the horse just missed last out as the favorite with Bendezio in the saddle. Tavares gets aboard here today. This is a horse that's raced okay at Hawthorne, actually, in the past against much better company at the end of last year and then earlier on this year. And I think this is a horse just with the trips over the track, inside draw, looking for a little bit of a price to try to beat the favorite. So that's why I went to Wedding Bourbon.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm using the two also. I think the two is interesting. My top choice, not overly creative. This is uh, um, a horse that's five to one. So I guess I'm not I'm yeah. not going chalky either. Trouble and red. You know, Jim. In these kind of races, I don't mind a lot of speed because the fact of the matter is these horses do not pass very much. And right. I think the main angle I have here, other than based on the uh, Craig Mulkowski's early time form pace figs of 95, she figures to get the lead. I do like the trainer change. This is, uh, John Arnett, uh, takes over. John Arnett is 18%. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a claim. It's just a new acquisition, but the trainer last five years is 18% uh, with new acquisition. So I do like that. He's a 20% trainer overall. He knows uh, how to win and I think we're going to see a much improved effort. Um, he's she's got a nice work there 48 breezing yep. seventh best of 44 for a low level horse that's good enough for me with gonzalez i think they're just going to send and try to wire uh your thoughts you don't have the eight anywhere i guess you figure uh the eight just can't get the distance or might get pressed early by someone Yeah, you know, the horse definitely scares
1: me you know what the thing that scared me more than anything here is looking at those last three buyers 19 three and 23 yeah, no
0: question about it so
1: <laughs> you tend to wonder okay speed figure wise a 19 buyer compared to a 38 buyer, that, that's a big gap. At the same time, net 10 of his first 15 starters at Hawthorne have found the board. Normally, he's a guy that kind of takes it easy a little bit once Prairie Meadows is done. He's come with a full stable of horses. He's come with 40. He's active in the claim box. He wants to keep things rolling. So you can't completely dis- dismiss this horse's chances by any means. And like you said, we're, we're thinking similarly. Pace in a race like this is usually the route to go. The reason I made Lucy's looking left as a favorite is it is Hugh Robertson who has won meet titles at Hawthorne in the past. It's Jareth Ludberry, He's one of your leading riders. The horse finished second against a little bit better in that last out. Was closing ground going five and a half and now you get a sixteenth of a mile further. So that helps this one's chances a little bit as well. And it's one of those things too where I think Lucy's looking left should be able to run a little bit better race. So If you're going to run into a race where pace does start coming back into the field, somebody's got to run on and Lucy's looking left could be one of those.
0: And here she is here. I've singled her out here. Um, There are a lot of horses uh, that are in this race that are um, running on Friday. Um, This was an okay second. It was more of a clunk up kind of second for me, Jim. It didn't really inspire a lot of confidence, but you know, based on this field, I suppose, why not? And I think, You absolutely pegged uh, the morning line favorite correctly. I think uh, Lucy's looking left will be the favorite. Do I have confidence in this horse? Personally, absolutely not. Uh, Let's go on to the uh, third race. I think this race, Jim, is the most difficult race of the sequence, at least in my opinion. I know the first race is definitely tricky, but in terms of the field size and the number of horses that can win, I think this is difficult. Race three is a 10 claimer. They're going five furlongs on the turf. So they are sprinting there. Let me go full here. And now you six uh, you see our picks there on the screen. Of course, I say it's wide open. We're both going with the same horse on top there, Jim. Um, we we could watch replays forever and we don't yeah. have the time for it. But we are both let's see, the Moyline Line favorite here. Uh, you've put is the number seven, channel one and Iowa bred, a really a nice eight-year-old gelding for uh Tracy and Mojica. but we're gonna go with the horse just to the outside of that one another eight-year-old gelding a new york bred follow the signs for Brittany vandenberg we don't need to say how good she is right. and chris amy really nice connections here
1: here's the thing yeah channel one i made the favor because the horse is 18 eight of 23 at the distance on the grass I, I think a lot of people will look to that i was looking for a little bit more of a price the weird thing about this race howard is oftentimes in turf sprints you're going to see four five six horses that you think are committed to the front you don't find that in this race really there's yeah. not A whole lot of pace. King Tito can show some speed, maybe channel one. So then you look a little bit deeper and you say, okay, I'm going to go the relationship way. Well, Chris, Amy, and Brittany Vandenberg are together. Brittany has two in this race, the boss factor and follow the signs. Chris is going to ride the better horse of the two. That's just how it works out. Follow the signs, got in for the waiver in that last out as well. So this was a horse that they were able to go out there, send out for the $10,000 price tag, but not be exposed to get claimed. And the horse ran just fine. The horse finished a good second there behind hurt so good. I thought it was a good race, especially with taking the blinkers off in that spot. And the horse was able to rate close. I think follow the signs will be able to settle in just behind the pace here, especially because there's not a whole lot of pace. But this is a race that you have back at that inside path, which is what you're looking at, what this race was too. And that's going to make a difference also. You have the way this course is, you talk about the main track being tight. The turf course turns can be very tight. So that's the thing that you have to watch as well. And this was a horse that kind of circled up around horses there, but follow the signs did run on late and kind of got fanned out a little bit at the top of the lane, but I liked this effort. I thought the horse ran on pretty well.
0: I thought, I thought he ran really well. I I believe the five, remember the main is in this race. I think he's this horse right here in the red cap, the other 10. And I thought follow the signs was much wider and got a much more difficult trip and still beat. The five uh, on Friday, remember the main, even though it was only this much of a difference, I think it's misleading. I thought uh, the uh, follow the main there ran a uh, follow the signs, excuse me, ran a much better race, Jim.
1: Yeah, I think follow the signs ran a much better race as well. Outside draw, people would say normally that concerns you actually on the turf course. I prefer that outside draw going into the turn because a lot of horses try to kind of angle into that turn. You see so many horses down along the inside get shut off where if you're not on the lead, You get shuffled back and you may lose three, four, five positions going into the turn. So that trip from just to the outside is a little bit better trip. Um, It's funny that we show that race because those were the two horses that I liked in there. Remember the main and follow the signs. The other Brittany horse, the Boss Factor, can't be dismissed by any means because that's a horse that I think has a shot as well. But I think follow the signs is just the better of the two horses. And I think that horse will be pretty tough. Who else did you have in there? Is that Master Guns that I see? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the
0: 11. By the way, remember the main can win. This is just the kind of horse I don't like to use too much, though, Jim. Yeah. I mean, he sort of comes on late, but almost never gets there. Now that I say that, I'm sure I just put it. Remember the name yeah. the, in the winner's circle Friday. But this one is kind of horse that sort of looks good on paper, that doesn't yeah. do a lot for me, needs a lot of things to go his way. I'm really fascinated with the number 11, Master Guns, for, again, great connections of Robertson and Loveberry. And what I like about this horse, first of all, forget about the, uh, the new trainer it's you know they're related. it's no big deal there nope. but i think this horse wants it in the outside gym um the last two races he's been on the rail i'm not going to show the replays but two back at canterbury got an awful start had no chance the last time at canterbury which by the way is a very fast turf course he had to angle out to like the six path and avoid trouble might, might just when the horse on the outside, I think he's good. he runs a little bit better. I know he looks a little bit slower on figs, but you know what, Jim? He's going to be a price. There's yeah. not a lot of speed in this race. If he can break well, I think Ludberry's going to have him in a great spot, and I'm going to get a price here. And there's a lot of a lot of others I just don't like, and I think his form is a bit dirtied up. I'm very interested in Master Guns. He is an A for me, along with the seven and eight. Uh, In this race, any final thoughts in this turf sprint, Jim?
1: Loveberry's an incredible turf rider. He's very good. He's very patient. He'll wait until late in the lane. It can be a 16th of a mile left, and he can still be behind horses, and he's going to wait and find that spot instead of forcing a spot. The other thing about Master Guns too, look at all the past performances. Five-eighths on the grass, five-eighths on the grass. It's just a repeat, rinse and repeat for all this turf sprint, turf sprint, turf sprint. This is the horse's specialty. It's not like we're going dirt, we're going route, we're going turf back and forth. This is a specialty. If you're looking for a price, I think that probably is your price playing this race.
0: He's also been working steadily, which for a seven-year-old, I find that is a very good sign, Jim. I, he's got a bullet work. work. was only uh, 10 horses working that day. But I guess what I'm trying to tell you, in my opinion, handicappers out there who value our opinions is this horse is, you know, is in good form. Uh, he's obviously feeling well because they're training him. And so I think that's with older horses, to me, that's a very positive yeah. sign. Uh, yep. Let's go. Let's go on to the fourth race here, and I think these last two races, you can go pretty skinny. Or yep. At least I think a lot of people will It'll be interested to see what happens here. The fourth race, as I bring it up, i got to click a lot of buttons here, Jim. <laughs> uh, fourth race, claiming 12-5. They're going two turns, a mile and a 70. Uh, never one three races uh, in a lifetime. You see the field here. There's a big more line favorite, another New York red, yep. uh, the number seven, a co-conspirator for Martinez, And Lopez, 8-5 morning line. And, Jim, you and I are absolutely locked up on the bottom. It just goes 7-5, cold deck in the try. Let's move on to the next race.
1: That's it. I mean, it's it's about that easy. Here's the thing. Co-conspirator can show speed. Don't worry about the outside post. The seven holes not that far outside. Should be able to cruise along, has a win over the racetrack. And think about it. Ralph Martinez is a guy that's won a lot of races in his training career. He's a smart guy. They claimed this horse for 12-5. They've gotten a couple of victories. Now they're going to drop back. They're probably going to lose the horse for 12-5. If you're going to lose the horse, why not lose it off a win? So that's the reason I put Co-Conspirator on top. The other one to look at is the 2-2 cookie rule. For this reason and this reason only, Howard, look at the last two times Jareth Loveberry has been in the saddle on this horse to race back on May the 20th. It was a second-place effort. To dive even deeper, October 31st of last year, a second-place effort. It's hard to get Jareth at times because – everybody wants him. When he yeah. rides this horse, they get along very well. The horse seems to run really well too. So that's a horse that I think is at least merits a look because he does ride this horse in this spot here. And so many times they've wanted him and haven't been able to get him.
0: It's a great point. It's a big jockey change. No disrespect to, uh, you know, uh, Baron Della, but it's, Not it's at all it's Jareth Loveberry. Uh, this is the one that scares me. I don't think we're getting nine to two, by the way. I mean, I respect your morning light. I just think this horse is going to be more like three to one. Sure. Um, I, I'm singling the seven as we're going to see. I, the two can absolutely win. The five could win. You got to take a stance somewhere. My main theory here at the seven, other than the fact is that he's obvious is it's hard for me to believe Jim. This horse is not going to get a great trip. I mean, right. unless the horse stumbles or something weird happens, he's going to be right on the lead or just off it. And I'll just take my chances in the lane. I'm not. I'm I'm confident, but you know, not too confident. The one thing I'm very confident though is that he's gonna get a good trip. And horse yeah, racing sometimes that's all you need. So
1: that's right. We should get a good trip. They're not gonna go fast up front. So we should have more than enough left in the tank of the top of the lane. And I expect that yeah. he will be very tough too.
0: I agree. Let's go on the payout leg. Jim, we got to talk about how are you get paid here in this uh early pick five carryover at Hawthorne on Friday. This is a main special weight, Illinois breads they're going uh six furlongs a real nice purse great job of course thirty two thousand dollars by chris block in the you know illinois racing yep. to get this kind of field at this time of year with a nice purse of 32k the more line favorite is number six golly posse for scott becker victor santiago nine to five morning line we are both going to go with this horse on top who also figures to be a short price
1: yeah, you talked on last Thursday show when you had Ed DeRosa on, and you guys were talking about putting together tickets at Keeneland, and some guys had different feelings about singling in the last leg. To me, you single where you feel you need to single. The single is here, and it's on that horse. It's on the sixth in this spot. This is a horse that ran well in its debut, ran better in its second start out, and the only horse it lost to was another Scott Becker trainee in that spot. But that was a good effort there. The horse showed good speed never caught a breather at any time either. Golly posse was a horse that was pushed head and head every step of the way. And you see it right there. This was a horse that the jock had to ride the entire race. That was going three quarters of a mile, but the horse still dug in and only lost by less than a length when all was said and done. You look up and down this field here. I don't think you're going to see the same amount of pace. I think this is a horse that will cruise along in the front end. You see Galev's honor just kind of rolling up there three wide in that spot. You figured in the lane that horse was going to absolutely roll on by the galley posse cut the turn well and only a second start and first start over the track, put away the other speed was all out and battled on here. And I think this is a horse that's still figuring things out a little bit, but this is a horse that they might put everything together and even a repeat of this race, I think is going to be good enough to win in here.
0: Well, the horse, let me freeze it. This horse right here yep. is the one I'm interested underneath. Who, if you saw was on the wrong lead, was a little bit green here, only lost to the five by a length and a half. Now, again, Jim, let's be fair. The five did more of the dirty work, right? Yep. But I think the the one horse in that race, who I believe is the yeah, Barrow and Steel, yep. Yeah, who is the nine, and that uh, which is a Chris Block horse, uh, can improve for Loveberry second time on dirt and also again Jim getting an outside post perhaps outside the kickback the one mystery horse in this race that we both actually have in the mix would be the number 1
1: yeah. Frosted
0: Aclaire how about this breeding the dam de Delune who of course is owned um by uh, the wonderful um, Duchess uh, Mr. Duchess Richard yep. Duchess won the Beverly D uh so this horse has got a lot of turf breeding uh, by Frosted this is really nice breeding um, for a dirt horse, did not break well at all last time, Jim, and then rushed up. My concern with the six, and my only concern, is if Frosty Clear breaks well right. from the gate, I think the six, the big heavy favorite, is going to have his hands full early. I He could get clear, like you said. It would not shock me if the one gets a much uh, much better start out of the gate and uh, sets it up for someone else. Uh, this horse is very interesting. Probably more like, I would guess, six to one-ish. But if you like the second out angle, uh, what's wrong with the one?
1: Nothing at all. First Lasix as well. Second yeah. out, rider change. Julio Felix won two races. His first two victories of the meet on at Hawthorne on the Sunday card. And you saw that this horse just battled head and head with Gallipassi Posse in that last start. Yeah. The key from the rail here and the one concern is, okay, you have silver eyes and you have tents right next to you. Those two horses both have the ability to show a little bit of early foot. They both also have riders that kind of like to hustle out of the gate a little bit. So that's kind of the key. If Frosty Clear doesn't get out of there really well and get clear, that was my only concern for that one. If the horse can clear out of there, it's a horse that could run really well. And Jim Watkins, the trainer, he's a little underrated. He's the guy that's head of the HBPA down at Fairmont Park. You will see him claim horses and go down and be competitive at Churchill Downs throughout the course of the year and race in Kentucky, races up at Hawthorne and does well there. So he's a guy that can't be completely overlooked. He's a 17% trainer. He holds his own. He does okay. And that's a horse that at least is worth looking to put on a ticket if you're looking for a price.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of ways to go. It looks like it's sort of uh, you want to go deep, early, thin, late. But sometimes it's good to, you know, I'm a yin-yang kind of guy. Sometimes you have to go against the grain. And yeah. The, the other, before we show our pick fives, I think this is a really important point, Jim. And I don't know, and feel free to disagree with me. Sure. when you have mid level tracks like Hawthorne, with all due respect, at this yep, point, we are. Um, and, and you have these carryovers that aren't as big. I mean, people might sort of scoff at the fact, Howard, why are you talking to Jim about a $4,500, you know, pick five carryover? There's gonna be 40k. I'm used to betting Saratoga or you know, Del Mar, where there's you know, 500,000. Here's my thought. I like playing these pools, Jim, because if you're a good handicapper and you can find that separator kind of horse, it almost pays better compared to a bigger track because all the sharks in general are not playing Hawthorne. They're waiting for bigger spots. And if you can be that sharp handicapper, I mean, you could take the whole pool down if you get like a a seven to one then a 10 to one. It's not going to take like a 50 to one to take down this pool. So I I find playing these sort of mid-level tracks Fascinating in these situations.
1: Uh way back in the day I finished the basement based on a Hawthorne pick four pull, So I can tell you that <laughs> there you it can't happen. Um, and here's the are, thing. We gonna, oh, are we
0: gonna tour the man cave at some point?
1: <laughs> we or... might. We might have to take the phone and go look around. Okay. Um but here's the cool thing, and you mentioned it because we know who we are. Okay. Kingland's running right now. You have New York running, you have California. You have to avoid these tracks. There's a reason why this race is going to be listed, the first race, with a 2.53 first post instead of 2.50, because we don't want to run right on the tail end of a Keeneland race. We want to have five, six, seven minutes. So horses are going to go out of probably four or five minutes to post. We're going to take a couple of extra minutes. It's not because we like dragging. It's because we want to make sure we're away from Keeneland. So we're going to monitor that as well. But you're right. For those, a lot of people are going to be putting their time into Keeneland because they're going to be in the heart of their card right there at that time. If you take the time to put your money into this sequence here and you find those couple of horses here or there where you can cash a decent ticket, it's definitely worth going to. Ticket construction, like you mentioned, we agree in some points and we don't in others. Yeah. It's where you want to be going uh, later on. I kind of play my tickets based off where I'm the most confident. So as you see, I'm I'm much less confident early on in the uh, ticket. I'm much more confident later on in the ticket. At least I know I'm making it to leg two. But it's not because I just want to make sure I make it the like two. it's because I really don't like anybody in the first race.
0: Yeah. I have to read it off Jim. Cause of course we have people that are gonna yeah. be on the listening platform and I can't see it on the screen Jim's And I asked Jim for around a $50 uh, uh, pick five Jim, I feel that's a pretty
1: yeah. good budget. Yes, Some sure. people,
0: that's a lot of money. Some people that's not much, but I don't want to give any crazy dollar amount ticket. The gym is hitting the all button. So you will be alive if you play yes. Jim Miller's ticket. In the first leg, guaranteed, he's going all with 2, four ten, with 5, 8, with 2, 7, with 6. It's a $42 ticket, and you're going to ride with that six horse in the last race.
1: Yeah, I'm going to ride that six horse. I, just, I think the pace, I think Scott Becker in these state bred races, he does so, so well. Wedding Bourbon's my price play there in race number two, if you can catch that horse. And then after that, honestly, it's just trying to get some second choices. And if second choices is what you need on tickets like this, to actually get a nice return but when you have bonus money when you have a low takeout ticket that's all you need one or two second choices a couple of beaten favorites if i can get lucky in the first and get the longest price or second longest price then you feel pretty good moving forward
0: uh my pick five ticket it's a 48 dollar play it is three five with two four eight ten with one four five seven eight eleven in the, in the turf, <laughs> you're confident in that race. Oh, listen, not a fan of turf sprints. Uh, with seven, with six, nine, Jim, uh, I was going to single the six. I sort of a feeling a <laughs> lot of people are going to single the six on the end. Uh, you, you have to hit the ticket, so maybe I'm looking too much into it. But to me, the seven and the second to last race is pretty much an equal, if not more likely, winner than the six simply because of the pace situation, Jim. Yep. I just don't see how the seven doesn't get a great trip. You still got to get the job done just like the six has to get the job done. I'm spreading very deep in the third light. That surface sprint's impossible to me. And I'll be just praying in the first leg uh, because I'm only going with two deep. I feel okay about those two. Hey, but you know what, Jim? Hey, if I don't hit that, we go on to the pick four, sorry, in race two, right?
1: And that's the cool thing about it. The <laughs> way we sequence it, you go pick five, early pick four, rolling pick threes all day. Same yeah. with the late sequencer. I like the fact that we can both hit this ticket though too, Howard, which Absolutely. would be nice. Things work out the right way. We can both cash on it. Again, it's only a 50 cent base minimum, so you can get a whole lot of coverage. It's a 15% takeout, almost five grand there for a carryover. So, nice little bonus pool, definitely worth jumping into. And again, we're going to take a little bit of extra time before that first get away from Keeneland and make sure everybody can get into the pool, too.
0: And and that's a thank you for doing that, by the way, as a horse player who plays plenty of tracks. The horses run, the race is running on top of each other. That's another as topic as we can we talk about for another day. Drives me absolutely nuts. So thank you for taking care of that. And listen, everyone out there, you got 100 bucks. play Jim's ticket, play my ticket, hit both of them, and yes. you get it for a buck. Uh, Jim, real quick, let's plug the uh, Thanksgiving weekend contest at Hawthorne. We've talked about it in the show. We're going to continue to talk about it. Three contests, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, to get a berth to the NHC.
1: And, and there's 10, 10 NHC seats that are available throughout the course of the weekend. There are three separate contests. Live money contests, bet the tracks that you like. It's open to any simulcast signal that we're taking till the end of the Southern California racetrack later on in the day. So you have a circuit that you like. You can focus on that circuit. You can play multi-race wagers if that's your thing. Play the bankroll. There's no entry fee. There's no seed money. You just come in, play how you would normally play. We have it at so many different Club and OTB locations to play these contests. We have a great contest button on the website that you can check out that shows all the rules all the contest setups. If you're coming from out of town, you can fly into Midway and find places to play. You can fly into O'Hare and find places to play that are close. And if you have any questions, they can email me too or uh, get a hold of me on Twitter as well.
0: Terrific. Uh, Well, Jim, we really appreciate you coming on today for our uh, special Hawthorne segment for this Pick 5. Everyone should be playing it this Friday. It's early Pick 5. Again, Hawthorne Racecourse, fantastic uh, betting opportunity this Friday. Jim Miller, really appreciate you. Uh, being on the show, I know uh, Well, we're going to see you next week, a week from Thursday, yep. and we got more stake races and more fantastic uh, things to talk about, so we greatly appreciate it. We'll leave you on the air here as I go ahead and find the button I want to find. There we go. Uh, for my good friend from Hawthorne, Jim Miller, this has been Howard Kravitz an episode 193 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Check out our two podcasts we have this week. Maybe you'll see Jim Miller in the chat on tonight's podcast as we talk about how to create a morning line and all the intricacies of morning lines with the fantastic Nick Tamro. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye.